Hey, Dr. Lance Nob from the Denali Consulting and 4% Breakthrough Communities. And I'm here today live with Matt Miguel and Scott Shaw from Bash Capital. Matt and Scott, your most companies are, are totally focused on getting new leads and new clients. And you guys are in the elite where you're getting so many referrals and so much word of mouth action that you actually have an, having to turn clients away. Tell us how you've created this scenario. Well, Scott, I mean, this is how we roll. We usually look at each other. We start out and Lance, thanks for having us on. Um, it's like 15, 20 years of our experience of just really loving what we do, focused on what we're doing. And Scott, you can point out, we talk about marketing, but it's really in our world, referrals and referrals are adding that value to the clients and clients loving working with us is always our goal and that trust. And then bringing someone else, maybe in their family, their life friend um, that is looking to find a trusted partner and work closely with them on their finances. So Scott, hand it off to you. I mean, how are people really turning to you in that beautiful face? Yeah. Well, Lance, first, uh, thanks for having us. And uh, it's great to be here. Um, and it's a great topic to start out with uh, referrals and being referable. Uh, I like to think that that's probably the first step is being referable, delivering a white glove service to clients, meeting their expectations uh, and partnering with them, uh, trying to develop a long term relationship uh, centered around trust, uh, delivering knowledgeable advice. Uh, and being there for our clients. Uh, but frankly, at the end of the day, it's a people business and we're all people. We want to work with people that we genuinely like uh, and we want to work with people that genuinely like us and that cultivates the best relationships. Uh, so again, it goes back to being referable, delivering on what you say you're going to do uh, and then doing your best and delivering that service. I love it. Yeah, I love that line being referable. I've never really heard that before. You guys are going to have to... Uh to trademark that and, um, oh, you know, nice. meeting and exceeding expectations. Yeah. You guys are, are definitely doing that. So, um, you know, on this topic, the other thing that I would say is you guys didn't so many new businesses are, are like waiting for their website or, you know, the perfect social media posts and to get this milestone or accomplish that, have their building in place, whatever it may be. But you guys, you know, partnered in the last couple of years and you didn't wait for any of that, right? There was no excuses and you guys were just off the charts exploding. So I love how you guys are just gone for it. So kind of moving into the next thing I wanted to ask you about is I know you guys are doing so many things to disrupt the industry, right? And, and you know, your literature, and we've talked about bringing an analyst and a planner together. So tell us what that means. Not a lot of us really know, you know, what a financial planner exactly does and definitely what an analyst does, right? In my mind, an analyst is sitting there with 10 monitors watching trend lines and, and you know, the market ups and downs all day long. So, so tell us some of the cool things you're doing and, and what you guys do exactly. Well, Lance, you already broke down what Scott does is look at charts and lines um, all day, but uh, no, he's an expert. And one of the values, like we talk about planner is building that relationship with a the client. There's only so many hours in the day in our industry is helping clients make the right financial decisions, having someone to work with, but then how are they invested? And to me, the average advisor is working with third-party money managers or internal investment platforms. And the luck, yeah, I'd say lucky for me and the value we're bringing was meeting Scott a few years ago and building our company together and bringing that analyst, that personal touch to the table 
where so many years on a personal level, clients calling me about individual investments or strategies, I have to turn to a third party. Can I bring them on the phone? Can they be in a meeting? And having Scott really at my fingertips, I mean, it's annoying to him, but it's the greatest value because he's so good at it. And he'll touch on him more as being an analyst, but him being able to not only pivot from being the plan a planner as well, but having him to support me and the rest of our team as the, the analyst is huge and has been one of the huge reasons why our company has been growing and clients are seeing that added value. Scott? Wow. I'm going to blush. That was very nice uh, there, man. Nice as I can say. I mean, you're right. Oh, God. Going overboard. You really have made it lost for words here. But um, really the value add uh, that that service that's delivered to clients when they come in and they can meet with us and truly understand that this is a relationship business, but managing money is different and managing relationships and money at the same time is close to impossible. So what Matt and I have tremendous synergies on is knowing our customers, understanding our clients and knowing that the relationship, the service, the listening and the planning is far and beyond the, the, the most important aspect of uh, financial uh, planning and a long-term successful relationship. Uh, however, that's a full-time job and managing money is also a full-time job. So I feel like I'm one of the luckiest people in the world because I get to live out my dream of, of doing what I love to do. Uh, I wake up every day um, motivated to do what I'm trained to do and, and, and I enjoy it, which is managing money and, and market commentary, delivering advice to clients. Uh, and yes, constantly being inside of my universe. I try and live in it 24 seven, 365. Even when I take vacations, which I do, I still try and live within the context of being a asset manager. And knowing that everything is evolving and changing every single minute of the day, regardless of the markets being open or not being open. And I try and live within that, knowing that clients are, are relying on me to deliver timely, relevant, prudent advice. Very cool. Love all of that. And I'm going to you know, tee up a, a challenging question probably that a lot of people want to know. Definitely you know, people get confused about being fiduciary in this financial planning world. And a lot of people, you know, feel like maybe they've been burned by a financial planner and they don't, they hear commercials about all of this and, you know, whether their advisor is fee-based or commission-based, how do you guys, um, you know, stay fiduciary and set yourself up that way and really have the client's best interest in mind and, and really even help them get a return on investment. Talk to us about all this. Hmm. Uh, Matt, you mind if I jump in on that? I, I wasn't even, I was already letting you jump in. Fiduciary, I just said, go ahead, do your thing. Well, I, I mean, I sleep, I sleep with the CFA code of ethics right in my pocket. I mean, that to me, like that's where it begins. Like you need to treat people right. You need to do what's in the best interest of the client. You need to make sure that all the advice uh, that's being delivered is being delivered in a format that's consistent. Uh, that expresses the suitability. Um, I, I believe that there are multiple ways of having a, um, a, a broad look at ethics and uh, moral behavior. 
Uh, I like to think, though, that it does boil down to how you treat one another, whether it is a client, a colleague, or a random person on the street. Uh, it is how we all treat one another. And I believe that our code of ethics that I abide by with the CFA Institute is one of the strictest in the land. And I abide by it every day. Um, I make sure we put our clients first, firm second, self third. And I also am very strict around how we present. Um, Matt knows I could be a stickler for coming into meetings and making sure that everything we present is uniform to the previous meeting. And the example I'd give would be when advisors are presenting performance and the sample size is shifting around from year to date, one year, three year. Well, in 2022, it's probably pretty convenient for an advisor to be presenting long-term three and five-year performance because they're able to dilute the short-term. But I don't like that. I like to show clients where they're at. I like to bring out that sensitive feeling that they have and those emotions and talk about it, knowing that behavioral finance is so important. So yeah, code of ethics and, and how we treat one another, it's, it's beyond the work. It's just how we operate in society, in my opinion. I have nothing to say. I'm, I'm good with that. Scott, you pretty much nailed it. Mic drop. I love it. Yeah. I mean, totally, you know, don't disagree and agree so much. Even, you know, I'm an advocate for best business practice and putting things in writing, but really you could tear up all those agreements and contracts, right? It comes down to being able to honor your word and, and look people in the eye. And so, you know, I love what you're saying about just boiling down to how you treat one another. Yeah. So awesome stuff. Um, I think that goes both ways too, Lance. I mean, a lot of people think, well, you're the, you guys are the service providers, right? So you're, the, you're the ones with that code of ethic or that moral behavior. Not in my opinion. I think, I think we partner with our clients and we put a lot of trust out there that the information they're going to give us, the conversations we're going to have, that there's truthfulness to it and that there's going to be a mutual respect that we are going to put out a lot of hours and effort to make sure that the advice we deliver is top-notch advice. Well, in doing that, we also are expecting a certain level of respect for the work that we're doing. This is a great point because even with me, with coaching, right, at this point in my life, people have to follow through, right? You can give, you know, you're going to work with them. They're going to be in control of creating their plan, but you're going to help guide them on that, but they are going to have to be the ones to execute and you'll be accountability partners, support partners, great coaches, but right. People cannot do zero. They can't completely delegate to you. Sorry. Right. Sorry. Right. It's teamwork. I love it. Well, you know, let's just tell everybody how we know each other. Um, you know, Matt and I, I guess met seven, eight years ago, maybe already at doctors advisory Alliance, a group that, that you Matt and Mike Regina, you know, got started and that was a hell of a lot of fun, you know, yeah. working together with some cool entrepreneurs and owners and, you know, serving physicians and dentists and doing some events. And, um, you know, I first attended and then wanted to be part of it. So that was awesome. And then speaking of events, finally got to meet Scott in person, you know, after you guys were, you know, working individually and then brought your superpowers together with Bash Capital and you guys had an amazing event in Ardmore at, um, you know, the same plaza where your, your business is located. Yeah. Well, that goes back even to your first question, Lance, um, like referrals and even about what this is about for the referrals is just being good to people and adding value and bringing people together. Like we did with the DAA doctor's advisory Alliance. 
We were focused on doctors and we were focused on how we could have different areas of expertise to help doctors could be finance, real estate, or um, therapist or any other areas that they needed help. So really bringing people together, finding good people in different areas and helping, whether it's a client, a friend may not be in your specific field, but just an introduction to someone else that's an expert that can help in an area of need. That's really what not just business is what life is about. So keeping it simple and lucky for you that we met back then. And now that you are our consultant and coach and we see the value Scott and I of talking to you as a trusted third person, you know, coming full circle here. So it's all working together. Like we said, teamwork. Yeah, for sure. And you guys are incredible networkers and you guys really, you know, stand behind, you know, your, your word and, um, you know, Scott, we're going to probably touch on personal development, right? I just started the Monk who sold his Ferrari. I mean, amazing. Uh, so we're going to have to share share some of your morning routine, which is ridiculously off the charts. <laughs> um, yeah, Scott, let's – I mean, he's probably been up for what, like uh, 10 hours already? So what's going on? Yeah. Uh, well, look, it's – I mean, I try and be consistent in creating good habits and um, – done a lot of reading in terms of how to create good habits and how to kind of open myself up to do a lot of self-development, personal development, uh, along with obviously working on our business and in our business for business development. Uh, but as you asked with self-development, um, well, I have three kids and early morning, it's very quiet. And I find I'm able to get things done that are important to me. So um, I'm a reader. I believe that that's one of my habits that I created over the years that has been very helpful. Uh, I find that it allows me to take myself away from my everyday life and get into whatever it is that I'm reading. Um, but I tend to, I tend to focus on the type of books like you just mentioned. Um, and I, I believe that the universe of power thinking, powerful thinking, uh, positivity, uh, and really putting myself in the position of, um, self-creation. Uh, I'm a firm believer in that. Um, but that also goes hand in hand with how we treat one another. And I think that that's, that all is on the same line of how I like to act at work as well as out of the office of putting other people first and, um, having a positive outlook on everything. Um, even on the markets in 2022, when it's not the easiest year to have a longer term optimism, uh, I still like to think that 2023 is going to be a better year than 2022. In the morning, though, uh, I'm up every day very early, um, before five, we'll call it. And um, I start right into my personal routine of trying to start my day being organized, knowing what I need to get done, having a couple things that are center of my mind, uh, and then taking... Um, I, I call it a long period of time of a good hour to an hour and a half uh, to sit and just read. My phone's not there, of course. Um, I don't have any emails. I don't get any text messages, um, no tweets. And I just sit there and read and try and focus my attention on what I'm reading. And that is very difficult for people to do. And that does take practice of creating that habit. Um, but I do it every single day of my life. Every day I wake up at the exact same time, plus or minus, I don't know, 60 to 90 seconds. 
But other than that, um, I do like to get right into my own self-development. I like to get into the office at almost the exact same time every single day. Um, and I like to begin my day by being organized. Uh, the Checklist Manifesto, another great book that's out there, uh, really helped me create that habit of when I come in, knowing what my priorities are. And as a money manager here, operating 13 core models, three satellite models, and having to shift my mindset every few minutes, I need to be organized on what those top priorities are. But I also have to be very cognizant that there's other tasks that need to get done. So in my seat, I have to be very organized. I love to take that early morning. I created that habit to myself. Uh, and then again, after lunch, uh, in the middle of the day, I think that uh, physical activity, going to the gym, whatever it is that anyone does out there, um, I think that that's just as important as anything you're working on in your business. Um, I think that that's something that allows me, again, to clear my mind. And then I typically have a very productive uh, afternoon uh, by giving myself that hour to step away, think about what happened in the morning, fix anything that needs to be fixed, and then move on and get done what I know are my top priorities so I can get home, spend my time with my family, which is the most important. Uh, obviously, my children and my wife are the most important people in my life. So I work very, very hard from early morning till right when that uh, afternoon bell rings uh, to then get home and check out uh, of the business life and check into my personal life um, and still get to bed at a very early hour. I love it. Well, Matt, you know, I think you've given us some of the secrets, the real reasons you're known to be a little bit of a rainmaker, right? Not a little bit. I mean, that's one of your greatest strengths, just really creating demand and attraction for you personally and for Bash Capital. It's incredible. And Scott and what both you guys said, really being aligned from all angles, um, you know, you guys are total integrity and character and, you know, all that good stuff is rising up. And Scott, yeah, it, there's no accident for your your guys' success, right? It's preparation meeting opportunity and, you know, your morning routine is, is pretty amazing. And a little shout out for Hannah Hernandez behind the scenes who's helping us uh, with the production. And also uh, Al Rikers is in the room. He's also got a financial background. So Al, ask us any questions, um, please. Anybody else? Uh, we'd love to, to hear. So Matt, let me ask you, I know, you know, I've kind of nudged you guys along on really firming up your personal missions and the company's mission. So talk to us about Bash Capital's purpose and reason and why and mission and how that connects to yours and yours and or Scott's and as part of this recipe, the secret sauce for your success. Yeah, no, uh, you talked about why and I was lucky enough to start out great um, brought up by my parents, still values and business. My dad is an accountant. I started out in the accounting industry. Um, but my why was, okay, you got to have a passion for what you do. And you also, and for me, my why was, how can I help and educate people? And uh, Scott will tell you, like, I can barely do certain things in life. But one thing I can focus on is if like a niche, like financial advice and planning is something that I was really able to grow around and build and bringing that to not just my early career. And then now the bash capital is we talked earlier, people want to work with people they like and they trust. And I like to focus on the words of value and educate. And when you're with clients, we can talk about managing their money, but can they relate to you? Can Are you educating them? I always argue you could 
if you want to work out on your own and read your own health magazines, you could, or you go to a trainer to maximize that situation. In investing and planning, if there's enough hours in the day and you want to do your own research, technically you could do it on your own and be successful. But if you want to turn to someone that's a third party you can trust that can spend the time and be someone who puts that time in as an expert that you believe in, you turn to us. We want to be there not only to help educate you because you're focused on other parts of your life, but bring that passion. And can a client leave that one hour either meeting on Zoom or in person where they walk away and they learn something, they feel comfortable, that trust, and we're on the same page going forward is what I thrive on. And that passion of, it almost seems like I tell clients, am I yelling at you in a meeting? No, I'm excited. I want to talk to them. I want them to feel that that passion that I'm bringing. And even if they come into that meeting where they're uncomfortable, they're leaving saying, you know what, we're on the same page. I learned something today. And going forward, that just makes our relationship even stronger. So the why of being lucky enough to love what we do, and Scott does, and so do I. And also, there's nothing better to me than seeing the value add in that client either getting educated or thanking or growing that relationship long term is what I thrive on. So that's really the heart of Bash Capital to me from my view. And I don't even know. I mean, I could say, look, I keep yelling at you guys, too. This is what it's like in a meeting. I just keep going. Sometimes the clients will just hang up on Zoom like, Matt, we get it. We love it. We're good. But um, this is what drives me each day. So no, that's all good, Matt. I think I ha Hannah had some uh, technical difficulty. I think I got it right and brought the screen back. So uh, there we go. Awesome. Technology is cooperating again. So I knew Al was going to go here. So we'll have to touch on. Crypto. I know Al is very enthusiastic and knowledgeable and passionate about crypto. So we'll have to uh, touch on that. You guys want to jump into that now? I definitely want to talk about some other things too. But um, how do you guys, you know, there's on both sides of it. So yeah, how do you, what's your opinion? What, well, what's your take? I'll turn to the analyst. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll jump in. Um, nice to meet you, Albert. But uh, I think that with crypto, it, it's pretty broad. I mean, if we're identifying the question that was asked or posed years ago of, is it an asset? I think that that's been proven, um, that it's certainly here to stay. Uh, however, um, with regulations, uh, with the security issues, uh, I, I really think that everyone needs to be very careful. Uh, I find that there was a lot of the retail world that jumped into crypto over the last year um, and these, these are mom and pops out there. These, these are my friends and colleagues that saw a asset class that was running very far, very fast, where there was tremendous opportunities that were um, marketed uh, for investors to make a lot of money in the short period of time. And that's very, very dangerous. And I think that we're all seeing that play out right now in the real world. Uh, from cybersecurity issues where people have had uh, their money taken from them uh, to exchanges literally going under. Um, and I think that that alone should make any investor, whether they're an accredited seasoned investor or a novice, uh, take a step back and make sure that they truly know what they are investing into. Um, and I think that when it comes to the regulations on the banking side of it, um, there's still a ways to go before we can sit there and have conversations with clients about whether or not to allocate a, a portion of their assets uh, into the crypto market. Yeah, right. And everyone's obviously heard about FDX. That's created a lot of buzz. 
you know, and probably on the negative side. So yeah, Matt, what are your quick thoughts on, on crypto and all things related? I mean, when just the back with Scott as the analyst and even when the clients have Scott, I mean, I've been getting way less questions the last six months than I was a year ago. And if we were even going over and I'm looking at clients overall net worth, like anything that's going over three to 5% of their net worth is let's take a step back and getting, I don't know if we use the term rich quick. I mean, me personally, and Scott, I don't know if you call this old school or not, companies, they can produce earnings. There's value that I can see that they can improve on dividends where crypto to me is only what? The value of the market in my mind or what someone's willing to pay for it. I don't want to get too technical here, but I, I'd rather be in the stock market personally. And with clients, it's not something we can even trade for them. And when we speak to them about it, I'm looking at a very small portion of their net worth if they want to be a growth area of their portfolio. Yeah. Yeah. Three to 5%. Okay. You guys have heard it here. So tell us in our, we have some, some nice little chunk of time left. want to get it to a few more things. I know you guys really are disrupting the industry and doing some innovative things, some pioneering things, you know, um, anything else that you want to touch on with that? I know, you know, with, you know, video conference, for example, you guys are using that in some, in some unique ways. You want to touch on that? Well, I, I'll jump in because I do think that what we're doing um, is it, it is cutting edge and it's, def it's definitely disrupting the market where clients are looking for advice, advice in an advisory uh, capacity, meaning they're paying a fee for somebody to manage their money, but that person is not sitting in front of them. The relationship person is which is great because that person can be able to answer questions. That person could be able to illustrate what's happening. But what happens when a specific question is asked that's geared towards the client's investments, which so many questions are? We want both to be at that table. And that's where there's disruption because that's what everyone deserves. There's no investor out there, small or large, that shouldn't have the ability to speak to the person that is managing the money. And we often use the term third party or, or separate account manager uh, or separate money manager. They're separate. It's a third party. They're not there. They're not typically even available when they need to be available, which is when the market's down. I know that I don't get called into many meetings when the S&P is up 25%. I get called into a lot of meetings recently because the market is down this year. We need to be there for our client, hand-holding, but helping them navigate, making sure that they understand what's happening right there so they can make an informed decision. If not, it's gonna be an emotional decision. It's gonna be a behavioral approach that's going to come with a bias, whether it's an emotional bias or a cognitive bias. And we have a clear understanding that behavioral finance is critical to what we do. That's why we do financial planning. But in those meetings, especially this year, I want to be there. I want to be there helping the advisor answer questions. Um, but yeah, I do think that that's our value add because when I ask clients if they ever experienced this before, the answer is no. They've, they've never gotten that opportunity. Uh, and that's where I'm getting very spirited conversations with clients because they're seeing something new. And that's, that's refreshing for them. Matt, can you touch on this and also blend into some of the video that you guys are doing just to create so much additional value and, and really share, you know, take the behind the scenes away so it's not a secret. Or 
Yeah, and that's what I was saying earlier, and Scott just pointed out, is bringing you know, both the analyst and the planner to the table is that value, and they want to be right there getting answers and learning about their strategy and then blending into, look what we're doing today in our technology. I mean, the cameras we have and the videos we have just to make us look you know, as good as we possibly can. We have, since the pandemic, I may say 80 to 90% of my meetings are on Zoom, and it's not my choice. Clients, time is limited. People are used to have adjusted their lifestyle. Um, I have 78 year old clients figuring out, but then once they do, they now to get on Zoom. They go, Matt, I only want a phone call. And we have pivoted towards putting their information right there. We're sharing on screen. We it's so easy. I can take notes and our meetings one on one can be at night. And couples that couldn't meet or waited for me to come to their house are now sitting down with us for an hour if it has to be on Zoom and they're getting the full experience. Scott can pop in for a market report on the first 15 minutes if it's technical conversation. And then I'm showing clients things right on the internet, questions they've asked or things we're recently talking about, changes in the U.S. Treasury right on their screen. We're interacting. So we've pivoted definitely with technology and we had to make an adjustment. And then the videos where we came up with, we mentioned earlier, um, mutual friend John Sherman, we have our own market commentary once a month that clients or even on social media. Scott's giving um, relevant, updated um, news on what's going on with the economy and the market. And then we created a show trying to add some humor and, you know, relevant financial investment topics, the bash. And we've really got some solid feedback because, you know, we're trying to make it, you know, we could talk about finance. You listen to a podcast for an hour, you probably would zone out after 10 minutes. So something that can provide some humor, some um, graphics, but also touch on those topics where clients are walking away going, man, you know, I really didn't know that when it came to investing versus gambling or what tax loss harvesting was. So we are using technology to further advance. And funny, Scott, our internal um, email today from LPL was a whole video marketing webinar. And we can say, look, we're three years ahead of what advisors are trying to do today, where they're trying to get out and use video. We jumped on that and we're seeing a lot of value add for our clients and you can say prospects, friends, family, and that's where we're getting a lot of feedback. I love it. And, you know, definitely what you guys are doing in video, especially in an industry like yours that is very regulated, right, and controlled, but you guys have not yeah. let that become a barrier. You guys have powered through that, figured that out. So... Let's touch on anything that you guys want to, you know, talk about that we haven't covered yet. And if you want to definitely let everybody know how they can reach you guys, any, um, you know, any ways they can engage with you, any calls to action you have, any way they can get more financially literate, um, and even just wealth care in general. We didn't actually touch on that word. Just mention that. And if you guys want to just briefly wrap in, um, you know, Al circled back and mentioned about distributed ledgers is, I don't know if you guys can actually see that on your screen, is, um, in his opinion, a new way for the internet to exist. Uh, it's like 2003 for crypto projects. So bring it all home, guys. Talk to us, Matt. I mean, I think time. Now, I'm going to give my one advice is time. Every review right now in the last six months is showing how the market's down. And in the long run, when you look at investing, it's time. Time in the long run is on your side. It can be an asset. If you are not having to withdraw money in the near future and you're in your IRA, 401k, general investment account, time 
If it's on your side, it will be an asset and your money will compound over time. How do I know that? Because like Scott, I try to read maybe a chapter here and there of some books, but reading <laughs> on philosophy, looking at data over time has proven that dollar cost averaging, buying into your strategies, even when the market's down, staying disciplined, it's all parallels to Scott waking up and following his list each day. He's being disciplined. I'm keeping a list every day. Same thing with investing. People want that. Let's talk about crypto and get rich quick. I'm more of you will get rich over time because you stay disciplined and listen to sound advice and not to promote us anymore. We talked about the bash. Go on YouTube. We have our show pretty much once a month on those relevant financial topics. You've Scott's market commentary. We now have it as a podcast. If you're sick of looking at us, I don't blame you. Um, and just giving sound advice that, you know, LPL finally lets us through. We got to get through their um, filters, but giving sound advice, we're here to add value in any way possible. But time is to me the number one asset when it comes to investing. Love it, Matt. That's awesome. How about you, Scott? Give us some final takeaways and thoughts and how we can get in touch with all you guys. Well, uh, first of all, two minutes ago, the magic question came in, which was, uh, what do you think of interest rate debate, increase or hold steady? Um, yeah, I mean, that's the question that's been asked now for uh, quite some time. And I'll actually take you back 12 months ago to when the Fed was forecasting two rate hikes in 2022. Uh, yada, 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 11 months later, um, we're now pricing in, um, in November, two more rate hikes in 2022, after we just saw, obviously, what happened. Um, so we are uh, pricing in that there is a high probability uh, of a 50-point rate hike in December. Uh, but in our research uh, from LPL, we're actually pointing to uh, what is talked about as a Fed pivot. Um, in the first half of 2023 is what we're forecasting, uh, which does leave some room for maybe another hike or two in the beginning half of 2023. Uh, that would be right now the baseline uh, of what we're projecting. Uh, and I believe that's because inflation uh, has begun to moderate, pull back down to 7.7 on CPI, cores down to 6.3 from the most recent readings. Um, so yeah, we are starting to see a little bit of progress in the Fed's campaign of tightening, uh, in hopes that that pivot will come. Um, but remember the market's forward look. So what we're seeing right now with a very positive October, hopefully a positive end of the year could be the market's forward looking to when that would occur. So you probably don't want to be waiting around for news to hit the wire that there's a quote unquote pivot. You probably don't want to be doing that. You want to go back to what Matt was talking about a few moments ago around dollar cost averaging uh, and not trying to time the market, but instead spend time in the market, whether you're investing in equities or fixed income. Uh, the worst thing that you could possibly do is make knee jerk reactions day to day because of headlines. Uh, that's been proven to be a pretty bad recipe for returns. Love it, Scott. Yeah, thanks for the absolute up to the minute latest in, um, you know, in knowledge. So that's beautiful. And everyone, yeah, please check out Bash Capital's YouTube page. Is there, is it just called Bash Capital? Bash on YouTube. What, what else are we on, Matt? Spotify, Apple Spotify, Podcast. Apple for podcasts, bashcapital.com is our website. Um, and we're here to help make finance not just informative, fun, and really here to build relationships. 
And if you could find another outlet to put us on, I'm sure Matt will do that. Oh, yeah. An additional shout out to our friend at Video City Productions, John Sherman, who's getting these guys out to the world and doing an incredible job. And listen, it's my absolute you know, honor to be working side by side with you guys as well and seeing you guys with you know, tons of individual success, but, you know, going through your, you know, your coming together and really now continuing to just skyrocket with success is a lot of fun. So uh, thanks so much for joining today and for all your value and um, sharing it with, with the communities. So we'll keep in touch. Everybody, please, Matt and Scott are accessible. Check them out and uh, just reach out to me or straight out to them. Thank you, Lance, for all that you do for Bash Capital. I agree. Awesome, guys. Okay, talk soon. Bye, everybody.